This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Destroyer. I spent my whole life scrapping, jealous, hungry, scared. I want to find something decent, something good. You can be better than me. Who is it? No ID, no idea. I know your whole story. Placing our agent undercover, she'll look right enough next to our guy. We do this. We accept the consequences. Do you love me? You know I do. You chose to play cops and robbers. And you lost. No! No, you cops! Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Destroyer, and the story is as follows. As a young cop, Aaron Bell went undercover to infiltrate a gang in the California desert, with tragic results. When the leader of that gang re-emerges, Bell must work her way back through the remaining members while confronting her own demons. The film is starring Nicole Kidman, Tatiana Maslany, Sebastian Stan, Toby Kebbell, and Scoot McNary. It is directed by Karen Kusama and written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi. Joining me for this review, I have Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everybody. I am also known um, on Twitter as Mr. Nicole Kidman. And that's all we need for this review right here. I've got the biggest Nicole Kidman fan that I know joining me for this review that is highlighting her talents as an actress in ways that we have never, ever, ever seen before. However, since the film has premiered at the Telluride Film Festival, there have been a wide array of takes on this movie ranging from it's you know a hot mess to it's really fantastic to somewhere in between and I I don't know where Ryan and I are both going to fall in with this movie here but we're going to talk through it as best as we can and talk about um, many different aspects of the film here Destroyer so Ryan uh, you're the only one I have to hand it off to you (laughs) tell me uh, what did you ultimately think of Destroyer 
So um, before I start um, with the, my thoughts on the film, I do want to take out the, my my love for Nicole Kidman. I, I just want to take that and put that aside. I'm going to be try to be as objective as I can. I don't want like that to have influenced you know how people view my reaction to it um, to the, to the film. Um, that being said, this was my most anticipated movie of the year, um, based on the reviews out of Telluride. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a feminist scholar. And um, I love really dark, twisted female characters like, for instance, Amy Adams in Sharp Objects. I think that it, Sharp Objects is kind of comparable to, to Destroyer in a lot of tone, um, story kind of ways. Um, so I was really looking forward to this movie. Um, and I also love film noir. So all that being said, um, I do think, I, after seeing the film, I really understand the divide. It's divided people left and right. There is, uh, there's almost no common ground with Destroyer, other than the, the consensus is that she's great in it. I don't know, not many people have said that she isn't, or that she isn't doing something that's bad acting. Um, but, like you said, Matt, everybody is divided. Um, because of that, I think that this is the most, I think, I'm confident in saying that this is, that Destroyer is the most interesting movie of the year. Um, I, I think that it's going to be analyzed and debated and discussed, um, as people see it, I, you know, whenever I walked out of the theater on Sunday, people were talking about it. My boyfriend and I walked um, 30 blocks back to our hotel in New York City, and we talked about it the whole time. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's an easily digestible film. I think it's a challenging film. Um, but I also think that there, it's, it's, a, it's a great film. Um, it left me with this uh, impact that lingered like for, for days, like I am still feeling the effects of this movie. And I really, it goes to back to the structure of the film where, um, it's set up as a very basic cop kind of a movie. And, um, there's two twists in the third act, one at the very beginning and one at the end that completely change. It can completely change how we view Aaron Bell as a character and like how heroic she is to an extent. And, um, just the, the big statements that the film makes in the third act, really hit me hard and I haven't been able to shake it off. Um, it's something that's sunk into my bones. Um, I think that the script is really underrated. Um, The script is what most people are criticizing the film for. People are really acknowledging Kidman. They're really acknowledging Kusama, but they're kind of taking it out on the script. And I think that the script is terrific. Um, and it's the way that it studies guilt in particular, and the way that guilt can eat away at how you view your past and how it and how it can destroy your future is really powerful, and I think that's what the movie is about. Um, and I think the technicals are all great. Um, you know, you have a female director, editor, and cinematographer um, all working to build the the construction of the film. And whenever I in, whenever I was taught in college about film, um, my professor actually introduced you know, the, our, our, you know, communications, one, the, the basic communications class, they introduced the concept of these three components, directing, editing, and cinematographer. They work together and they're almost one and the same. And I kind of, uh, that's how I approach film. And I think it's very interesting to see. I don't think I've seen a film where all three of those people are, are female. So I, and I think that comes through in the film. Um, so I'm done rambling. I'm handing it back to you, Matt. Yeah, so uh, with me, I there are elements about this movie that I definitely enjoy. 
And there were elements about this movie that I think could have used a little bit of work. And you said before that it does all come back down to the script. And I, and I have to agree with that. I think it is something that does come back to the script in many ways for me. I think that it's a good character piece of Erin Bell. And I think that Erin Bell herself is elevated by this performance that is delivered by Nicole Kidman, which... You know, you've heard a lot of people say it's unlike anything you've seen before. She's fully transformative. It's powerful. It's dark. It's gritty. This is all very true. This is all true. Like, it's something that I think ranks up there with one of her best. And it actually is one of my favorite leading actress performances of the year. With that said, to me, Destroyer, and I said this when the trailer dropped, I, I you might remember me saying this, but when I saw the movie, it also felt the same way as well, which was, this felt like a season of True Detective to me. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good. I just think it's very surface level and outside of the characterization that Erin Bell does receive and how you want to interpret the themes around that character and how she embodies them in that performance. I think all other aspects outside of Kidman in this movie, I don't believe that they work as well. I think that the supporting characters don't get enough material to work with. And you have a really um, big cast of uh, actors here, well-known actors ranging from Sebastian Stan to Scoot McNary, Tatiana Maslany, Bradley Whitford, And I don't feel that they get enough material to work with as much as she does. And that's fine. You know, it's the Nicole Kidman show and you can make that argument. That's that's all well and good. But I do feel that it's very just it's just very surface level, almost like TV, like a TV movie in many ways. And I just wanted it to achieve and strive for something just a little bit higher as a result than that. I still enjoyed it because I too, Ryan, I like film noir. I like it a lot. I like gritty film noir. I love cop, uh, you know, dramas and I like uh, crime thrillers. Um, I'm a sucker for those. I don't know. It's something about like the honor code and the obsession and in this case, you know, dealing with guilt. I, I like all of that. I think that's all very complex. I think it's dark and I, and I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching those uh, themes, you know, fold out on screen. There's a couple of things in this that, uh, you know, I, I think the one scene that really just bothered me right away, like the, there seemed to be, even in the beginning, uh, there's like a scene where she goes to visit this man who's dying and she needs information from him. And it seems like we get like this kind of gratuitous scene where she performs a sexual act on him in order to get what she wants. And I don't know, just like the, the handling of that. And I understand, though, like what it's trying to get at. I, I just didn't feel like it fit. In and a post me too time. Yeah. I, I like I, I like I said, I get it, but it's like there were there were enough instances like that throughout the movie where I just felt like the editing and the tone and just a consistency in how this screenplay unfolded uh was wildly inconsistent. Okay, well that's fair enough. I mean I I think I think one can interpret um, the the scene that you're talking about um, in that way. Um, whereas I felt, um, you know, that's really the only scene in the film that's somewhat sexual. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so. And you know, whenever so 
Christopher Nolan said something interesting where how he interpreted the film was each character um, Aaron visits um, before the end, before she meets Silas, is her kind of confronting an, a part of herself. So I do think, you know, whenever she's confronting this dying man um, and what she has to do to get to, uh, to, to get information from him, um, she is confronting, confronting herself in a certain way confronting her past and the decisions she made back then, I think there's some allegorical meaning to each character she interacts with. And I do think there is a meaning that comes through with that character in particular and the, um, the level, like having to lower yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think Kazama is making a point and a statement about the me too movement in that scene that is powerful and awkward. And, um, and, yeah, and I think maybe in like, and I think this for the overall film. I think in ten years, we're people are going to look at Destroyer in a completely different way than they are looking at it now. Mm-hmm. It's people. Can, I, I think that there is some aspect of the film that's a little rough. Like I said, it's challenging, and um, I think it's hard for people to overcome in the moment. But um, I think ten years from now, people are going to look back and really respect this movie, um, and respect the things that it was saying about the culture and time of where we are right now. Um, and this scene is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, if you look, if you look at the storyline, the main storyline with her daughter, that can also be a me too kind of, um, empowerment story too. And trying to save her daughter in a way that she wasn't able to save herself. Um, the daughter storyline is kind of gross with, with, with her boyfriend. Yeah. And I think that's also a really strong pungent kind of theme, um, that Kazama's hitting on. Um, but before, um, like, do you think, so you mentioned that you had some problems with the editing. I was really impressed with the editing, especially like the way that I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for montages and timelines going in and out of each other. And I think destroyer did that very well, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, the last act of the film. Yeah. I, I, there was, um, an awkward, um, back and forth timeline jump structure that the film does follow that for me, um, never seemed to flow as well. The, the time where, I felt that the editing was at its best was the third act and the mm-hmm. reveal in the third act um, because it actually made me want to go back and watch the beginning of the movie all over again. Oh yeah. Um, and that's, that's something that I can, I can definitely commend for sure. Um, I, I, I think what it just comes down to is I don't feel that this story outside of the character the story itself, I don't think is interesting enough. It's something that I've seen before. It's something I feel like we're about to see again with True Detective Season 3. <laughs> and it, it 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 didn't engage me outside of her performance um, in the same way. Because I just felt like I was seeing a lot of stereotypes and tropes that I've seen in other crop uh, cop thriller dramas before. Well, see, like, I don't, like, I, I, I respect your... Um your opinion of, uh, of it. And I, f- I feel like you're, what you're doing, how you view Destroyer was, um, you're separating the character study from the actual plot of the film of her going to each of these people. And I guess on the surface, yes, that's boring. Like her looking back at people who she, whom she worked with 17 years ago. And just yeah, going we're going to reveal how this job, uh, that she was undercover for changed her and made her into the person that she is today. And we're going to follow her as she tries to hunt him down all these years later and gain some form of 
redemption, revenge, whatever it is you atonement, whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, I think that's all like interesting, like thematically speaking, like I said, for what it means to that character. Uh, just the overall story, though, is something that I know that we've seen play out before, both in film and television. And the only thing that did make this distinct and feel different was this commanding uh, performance by Kidman that I say commanding because there are elements in this movie that for me, I just was like, ah, this isn't meshing well. But she commanded my respect. She commanded my attention and she commanded that I pay attention and, you know, give this uh, thought and consideration regardless. Well, so, and I guess the way I've um, approached movies and I guess it's, it's just a little different from you is I, I see the character study as the story itself. And I kind of view it as like the plot, the, you know, this is, destroyer is a, a character study, you know, masked as this crime, this, you know, predictable crime drama, if that makes sense. Like, I think that the story and what the film's saying about guilt and uh, about someone's past is, you know, underneath, you know, tied her, to her character development, underneath the basic, you know, she goes here, she goes there, and whatever. So, but getting to Kidman, mm. she, so the performance was different than I was expecting it to be. Okay, I have seen every, tra- I saw every trailer, every clip, every GIF, every still photogra- piece of photography a million times before seeing it. Because I- I've been anticipating this since, since September, okay? Um, I, it was it, her performance and her, um, the way that she approached it was much different than I was expecting. Um, she really, it's, it's as physical as it is emotional. And it's, whenever I say physical, it's not even just the makeup and the hair, the way she walks and her body language and the way she carries herself is half of the performance. It almost, it really reminded me of Joaquin Phoenix and the master and how that I, performance- actually it reminded me almost of Joaquin Phoenix and you were never really here. Another film that deals, I think, with um, the weight of trauma on the soul and on the character and how that completely changes who you are as a person. That's a good comparison, too, um, uh, as an overall um, as an overall overall character. Um, and I think Aaron Bell has, is a little more outward um, than oh, that for character sure. is. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what that's what sets Kidman apart from Phoenix in that performance. But like, you know. Her physically, it reminded me so much of watching the master and him in that. And like, but then you have, so you have that, but then you also have the, like her emotional consistently, consistently, like you said, she commands this, like she, there's not one line in that script that she doesn't make work. She forces it to work. And I, um, it's, I've never seen her do anything like this, like where it's as physical and it's coming from the inside out. But the inside's still there, and like for instance, like the scene at the end with her daughter in the co- in the coffee shop, it's such uh, by far my favorite scene, and we've seen a lot of it in the trailers and in the promos. Um, but at the same time, like there was a, a big crux of the scene isn't in hasn't been advertised, and it blew me away, um, and because it's where it, it, her big character arc comes full circle in what she admits to her daughter. And it, it stings like thinking about watching it, it stung, but then thinking about it based on everything that happens in the last five minutes of the film and how it changes the perspective um, and the framing of the movie, it stings even more. And I think that scene is equal to what Kidman does in the hours in the big train station scene 
that was her big Oscar moment back in 2002 when she won. I agree. Um, I actually do think that that confrontation scene between her and her daughter is um, filled with tremendous emotion, lots of power. And I really did buy into um, the fact that here was a mother who was trying so hard to desperately cling to her daughter's safety and her future. And what I really, really uh, liked about this um, portrayal of that, because I feel like I've seen this also too in other movies this year, uh, where protective parents are trying their best to shield their children from themselves, like in Beautiful Boy or um, Ben is Back. Uh, what I liked about this movie a lot is how the character and how she is portrayed throughout the movie as a like as a force of nature if you will that is ultimately how she chooses to then handle her daughter is like she doesn't go about it subtly and she doesn't go about it like in a a nice manner as as she's probably tried before it finally just gets to a breaking point where she's just all like no fuck it (laughs) she just like resorts to a decision that you know you and i from the outside would look at and be like oh that's very very uh drastic but it's necessary and i think that that is um uh you know a strong display of affection do i think it's a little um do i think it's a little unrealistic and you know for you know cinema maybe it works um you know debatable I, I'm not sure but I think for the character that's something that I that I definitely think the character herself would do and I did believe in that um, decision you know what I didn't believe in Ryan okay I did not believe the makeup okay see I believed in the makeup I didn't believe in the hair necessarily the hair was good at some points but the other points it was like like I was like oh and this is all that, that that's that's one of my two big problems with the film. I didn't have so much a problem with the current timeline version makeup. I had a problem with why in God's name and who decided it was a great idea to give her, her younger version self freckles. And why was that necessary? Because that was something that was distracting it does nothing for the character and it pulled me out of the movie completely and i know it sounds like a very small tiny thing but when you consider how much uh myself and a bunch of people harped on uh, a decision made by clint eastwood an american sniper to use a fake baby for a scene this to me is equal to that where it's small it really shouldn't matter but it's noticeable and it took me right out of the movie and yes i am going to harp on it <laughs> so i didn't have a problem with her freckles but i respect that you did so that's fair that's fair but but can you tell me why they were necessary <laughs> I think that the, I think they were just trying to make her look younger and just trying to because her makeup's so just um, you know drastic later on. I think they were trying to do some things to to make it work to make her look younger and because she is playing you know Kidman talks about this in many in one of the many forums that she's done um, where they wanted to bring in a younger actress to play her younger self, similar to like what Glenn Close in The Wife did. Um, and she was like, absolutely not. Like, yeah, I'm not letting worked. somebody perform the char- part of my character arc, and yeah. I respect her for that. I mean, I, I, I mean, I gotta say, she's uh, fifty-one years old, and I think she totally can play uh, that younger version of herself. She's still just as beautiful as ever, and. I don't think it was necessary is all. I, I, okay. I didn't mind the dyed hair. Um, I didn't mind the short 
uh, straw-like hair that she has when she, you know, gets uh, to the current timeline. I didn't mind the uh, makeup that made her face look weathered and like, you know, that she's been hard drinking. That all was fine. It was just these goddamn freckles. I, I okay. could not get over it. It blew so, me away when I saw um, it. <laughs> also, and but after Kidman, I think, and, and, and the overall script and the impact it has. Um, so, but and Matt, I know that you have problems with the script, but do you do you agree with me in the twist, the two twists in in Act Three, the one at the very beginning with what, whenever we find out something that she a choice that she made in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then at the, the, in the within the last five minutes of the film and how that changes the whole perspective of the the structure. The last five minutes one, yes. The first one, no. And then the okay. reason why for the first one, why it didn't resonate with me, and I looked at it as formulaic, um, was because I did not buy into the relationship between her and uh, Chris, played by Sebastian Stan, in this. I thought that it was rushed. I thought that it was very surface level once again. And I did not think that they did it enough justice to, because of the time jumps, uh, because it didn't follow a linear structure. I could not see a gradual organic relationship building between those two characters. Well, see, I, I disagree. Um, and here's why, because I, and I, I, I like the way that they, I'm glad that they didn't have a, a, an exact parallel timeline. I'm glad that there was more memory pops. Um, and I do think that they conveyed the relationship enough through those memory pops. And here's here's the why why I think why I, I like their their relationship and you don't. I really think that the moment Aaron finds out that she's pregnant in like the second third act, and this isn't a spoiler because Nicole has talked about this at every single forum. She finds out she's pregnant when she like, and she's high when and she Nicole's talked about how it's a uniquely female experience, whatever. Um, I think that is what kind of justifies the rushness or the the lack of development and i think that's why she she volunteers for them to make that decision about um about the the final the finale if that makes yeah. sense no no I, I i get what it is you're saying about that i think my issues are tied to events even earlier before that moment where Kind of a similar argument that was made in um, our Vice review where it feels like we were introduced to Dick Cheney and then all of a sudden he's at this internship and we didn't really get so much an in-between of what made him decide to get into politics. And I felt like there was a gap in this relationship between Kidman and Sebastian Stan where I didn't really get the... I didn't I didn't understand where was the moment where the two of them really did start to fall for each other and how was that any different than how their relationship started. Mm-hmm. Well, I there's a scene like there's a scene midway through where they're like um where they kind of have sex and like you can kind of see it starting to form and then the, the trust I think that builds with them um recording the, the group members and stuff that mm-hmm. That's that's why I, why I bought it. Um, mm. The big problem I had, the only the biggest problem I had with the film, and the reason why I I give it this, the rating that I do is, um, I think Karen's um, inexperience shows um, in some of the in like two of the flashbacks where she tries to make Silas this menacing villain, and she does it in very conventional ways, and they don't they didn't land for me. They they weren't effective. They weren't something that I would call quality. 
um, character development. Oh, see now, wait, see now, I, I think I know one of those examples. And is it the scene involving a little bit of Russian roulette? Yes, I didn't like that. I, I thought that because I actually liked that scene a lot. I thought that was very tense and a very sick and twisted way to show how at the drop of a dime, this guy uh, is evil for his own amusement and entertainment. Um uh, now, did I think once again, did I think it was very surface level and two dimensional and like, I feel like I've seen this before. Yeah, but I, I but I would attribute that to the screenplay and less so to the tension that Karen Kusama creates within that scene. And the close ups that she focuses on on everyone else's reactions to that moment and seeing how the situation goes from light and they're all just hanging out to very serious. And and, and then it goes back to being. Uh, light again out of like nervousness mm-hmm. you know what I mean no and maybe I'll feel differently after I re-see the film I mean like I spent a week thinking about it and I think maybe I've talked myself into misremembering it I don't know but um but overall like I I can't that's the only thing bad I can say about um Kusama's directing I think it, she has such a unique eye um there are some shots in this film that I was kind of blown away by one of which opens the film where um she approaches the body and you can see the blood um, running down the, um, uh, I don't know, uh, like uh, the body is like on like a, on a platform and like there's like a ramp that's going down and the blood's just spewing down. And like there's a picturesque moment where she's like leaning over the body and like it's this big landscape. I kind of blew, it blew me away. And then there, there's another shot um, that's uh, a, pro- a profile shot of her in LA's in the background. It's at nighttime. And I just, I was like, oh my God, like, this woman, like you know, see the shots that did it for me were the shots of her walking through the forest. Yeah, oh, by far the best. I thought that was very visually dynamic, and I thought that was very—I mean, even from the trailer, I was impressed by that. And the other shot that's also in the trailer, um, that once again I think worked extremely well in the film, is the close-up on her face with the sun, and it's—it's it's in the third act. And I do think that the power of that moment, even though, um. Spoiler alert, I was I, I was t- kind of taken aback by what exactly happened at the end of the movie um, at first. Upon further reflection, I, uh, I, I, I figured I, it out. I figured it out. Um, but I think the reason why I was taken aback was because the manner in which it happens is something that I feel like I've <laughs> A, never seen before, and B, I guess I just never fully considered that somebody uh, would get to that point uh, because of I'm trying to be very vague here. Uh, it's, yeah. It just didn't. It, it, it just took me aback. Let's just put it that way. And people okay. will, uh, I, I guess, maybe uh, figure it out for themselves when they do see it. But um, the editing and the sound and the score of those final uh, few minutes, I thought was a very, uh, I thought that was a very, very powerful note to end things on. And it did help to push me overall into positive territory for the movie itself because like i said once it was over um i think the best compliment i could pay the film is that i immediately wanted to watch it again now yeah oh no me too like i've been sitting i've been sitting in central pennsylvania you know miles away from new york city just dying like oh my gosh i need to see this again um but and you mentioned the score which i didn't get to mention in my opening statement and i actually think it's um i haven't seen bill street yet i've listened to the bill street score but um I, I, it's my favorite score of the year. I think it's, it, I, you won't hear another movie like Destroyer this year. Um, and it's a shame that it's not, it's being ignored. Um, but that's, 
and that's the, the that's just the way the cookie crumbles so yep well, let's see how much further the cookie does crumble here. We're up to final thoughts. Uh, great out of 10. Uh, any Oscar potential for Destroyer. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Ryan, that we did not cover already? Um, no, I think I've said everything that I wanted to say. Um, I really I really, I really, really love this movie. Um, I think Kidman memorializes um, her best performance of the decade. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a lot of interesting stuff in the directing, editing, um, cinematography, I think the script, it, it, the script will shoot you down. Like, and I think the scores, um, the score is amazing. And um, I think over time, people will grow to love this movie. And regardless of what uh, you know, the, what who thinks of what, I think it's the most interesting movie of the year. And it's going to be debated. And just like you said, like you didn't, weren't really sure what happened at the end of the movie, and, and my boyfriend wasn't either. Um, and I think that's part that adds to the interesting. I think it's interesting the way that it's crafted. And it's interesting in what it's saying and how it's saying it. I definitely think there's a lot of really good think pieces that could probably be written about it for sure. I could write a book. <laughs> uh, well, with that said, you're great. I give it a nine. Okay. All right. And, uh, you know, for me, another film that I will compare this to uh, that I haven't seen in a long time, so my comparison might be a little flimsy here, but another movie I would compare this to that it reminded me of in many ways, both in terms of execution, tone, a little bit of storyline was uh, Rampart. In 2011, by uh, Orwin Moverman, uh, uh, writer director of The Messenger, that that was a film that starred uh, Woody Harrelson, who was playing a uh, dirty cop in that movie, in a uh, buzzed about uh, performance that I felt like in many ways was similar to this, uh, you know, so to speak, and that it's a, it's an unlikable character, and it's a character that I can very much understand. For the same reasons that some people may not have taken to sharp objects, just simply because they don't like seeing uh, their favorite actress portrayed this way and in such a grimy, trashy, dark, you know, light. I, I can understand if this performance is a put off for people. Um, I can also understand if they felt like they're like there's one scene in particular I keep coming back to, and it's a scene at a uh, at a bar where she like yells in front of a bunch of people and she's like drunk when she does it and stuff like I can, I can totally hear, I can hear the arguments that it's overacting and it's a flashy performance that lacks nuance. Uh, but then I would turn to other scenes in the movie, like that scene, uh, with her daughter. And I would say, well, there's your nuance right there. And if you think that it's a failure on the writing, um, okay. I, I, I will I will give some credence to that. However, I do think that what Nicole Kidman does achieve with this, I think she elevates the material, and I think that her performance is one of the best I've seen her give, just as far as full transformations go. And if you know, if, if people that have been listening to the show long enough, they know that I'm a sucker for transformation performances. Um, they know that uh, for me, there's, uh, there's there's just you know just changing the voice, the the physicality, the doning the makeup, and just becoming a, a a totally different character than you are as a person and disappearing completely. Um, I, I'm a sucker for that, and Kidman brought that to me here. So the movie I think is a mess. Um, I had moments where I was really into it. As, as I've uh, expressed so far uh, through a couple of different scenes and aspects. And then there were some things that I just don't think work. And at, on the whole, I will say I probably will see it again because I do want to recontextualize uh, that which I've already seen with uh, the knowledge of the ending of the film in mind. And so I will give it a 6 out of 10. 
uh, on 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 my scale. I le- I leaned positive, but it has just enough negatives that I, I can't give it. The, the highest of recommendations, but um, I, I definitely would say, especially if you're a Nicole Kidman fan, you got to check this one out for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so in terms of Oscar prospects, um, it's really, I, you know, her. she got the golden globe nomination. Yeah. Um, she's gotten um, it, it, critics mentions here or there. Um, it's probably not going to happen because Annapurna has been a mess this year. Anyways, <sighs> I don't, I know. I don't know what's going on with them. It's crazy. But, you know, to be fair though, they they ran a really focused campaign for her, um, regardless of the exposure they got for it. Um, and I think if that exposure took it took at all, she it's possible she could end up in the Oscar lineup. It, it depends on a couple of things. Um, I I think that she stands a good shot to get a BAFTA nomination, mm-hmm. um, and then and then and in the, over the next week for for Destroyer. Um, if she doesn't get that, then she's done. If she does get the BAFTA nomination, then I, st- I think that there's an outside shot, but it's probably not likely. She's probably not going to be nominated. It's a shame. It's one of those situations where I, I think that if the film just were received a little bit better, you know, with unanimous praise, I think she would be more in the hunt. Um, it goes to show you once again, and we've uh, talked about this a lot uh, throughout the year on the show. If you're the only sole representation for your film as far as a nomination is concerned, um, that's very, very, very difficult to pull off. And you need unanimous support for your performance. And the film itself has to be generally a bit more well-received. And it's the same reason why we're all a little skeptical on Glenn Close and the Wife, on Timothy Chalamet and Beautiful Boy, and other performances that have also come prior to this one as well. I, I, I do believe that if the film were received better, I think she would be more firmly in the conversation because I do believe that this is the kind of performance that, for the same reason that you know, Christian Bale can get nominated for, uh, say, Vice. It's a transform transformative performance. You know, they they eat this stuff up. The Oscars, you know. And I think if this, if it were, if it were, if it were a weaker year, like let's just say that Destroyer came out in 2014. It or is a strong year. I, yeah. 2015. Even I think we would be talking about her possibly winning. Um, but it's it's just not that there are too many hanging factors like you know i think that she's i don't think that she's out of the conversation entirely i mean no, she's still got to go you're right if she gets the she's still, nomination she's still somewhat in it uh, and she's she, campaigning yeah um and you know i think uh, let's see what let's see what bafta brings us even if she gets the bafta nomination that she probably still will have a hard time getting the oscar nomination i think she's six or seven well we'll find out this week so i mean when the nominations come out uh this week we'll 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 know you know yeah but yeah, I agree that she's uh, out out of the five, but not completely out of the hunt necessarily. And it is something that could still feasibly happen. I mean, she is well-respected. She's had an amazing year. Yep. An amazing year with Boy Erased, with Aquaman. I mean, she's she, she's she's still going extremely strong. And every single project that she comes out with uh, demands your attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I respect the hell out of her for that. And I respect the hell out of her performance in this movie, too, for doing something that, you know, Boy Your Race got comparisons to Lion. What are you going to compare Destroyer to? Monster. But, uh, well, but that's not that's not one of her performances. Though. I know. right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, nothing. Exactly. So kudos to her. I, I think that no matter what ends up happening, um, especially with next week, with the release of The Upside, <laughs> no matter what ends up happening. 
for Nicole Kidman, uh, we cannot take away, we cannot take this away from her. Nope. We can't. All right. With that said, uh, Ryan, thank you so much. And where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Destroyer here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much once again for listening, as always. We shall see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.